Chapter 13.2 of the 9-11 Commission Report This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Rohde The 9-11 Commission Report Chapter 13.2 Unity of Effort in the Intelligence Community in our first section, we concentrated on counterterrorism, discussing how to combine the analysis of information from all sources of intelligence with the joint planning of operations that draw on that analysis. In this section, we step back from looking just at the counterterrorism problem. We reflect on whether the government is organized adequately to direct resources and build the intelligence capabilities it will need not just for countering terrorism, but for the broader range of national security challenges in the decades ahead. The Need for a Change During the Cold War, intelligence agencies did not depend on seamless integration to track and count the thousands of military targets, such as tanks and missiles, fielded by the Soviet Union and other adversary states. Each agency concentrated on its specialized mission, acquiring its own information, and then sharing it via formal, finished reports. The Department of Defense had given birth to, and dominated, the main agencies for technical collection of intelligence. Resources were shifted at an incremental pace, coping with challenges that arose over years, even decades. We summarized the resulting organization of the intelligence community in Chapter 3. It is outlined below. Members of the U.S. Intelligence Community Office of the Director of Central Intelligence, which includes the Office of the Deputy Director of Central Intelligence for Community Management, the Community Management Staff, the Terrorism Threat Integration Center, the National Intelligence Council, and other community offices. The Central Intelligence Agency, CIA, which performs human source collection, all-source analysis, and advanced science and technology. National Intelligence Agencies. National Security Agency, NSA, which performs signals collection and analysis. National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, NGA, which performs imagery collection and analysis. National Reconnaissance Office, NRO, which develops, acquires, and launches space systems for intelligence collection. Other National Reconnaissance Programs. Departmental Intelligence Agencies. Defense Intelligence Agency, DIA, of the Department of Defense. Intelligence Entities of the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines. Bureau of Intelligence and Research, INR, of the Department of State. Office of Terrorism and Finance Intelligence of the Department of Treasury. Office of Intelligence and the Counterterrorism and Counterintelligence Divisions of the Federal Bureau of Investigation of the Department of Justice. Office of Intelligence of the Department of Energy, Directorate of Information Analysis and Infrastructure Protection, IAIP, and Directorate of Coast Guard Intelligence of the Department of Homeland Security. 
The need to restructure the intelligence community grows out of six problems that have become apparent before and after 9-11. Structural Barriers to Performing Joint Intelligence Work National intelligence is still organized around the collection disciplines of the home agencies, not the joint mission. The importance of integrated all-source analysis cannot be overstated. Without it, it is not possible to connect the dots. No one component holds all the relevant information. By contrast, in organizing national defense, the Goldwater-Nichols legislation of 1986 created joint commands for operations in the field, the Unified Command Plan. The services, the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marine Corps, organize, train, and equip their people and units to perform their missions. Then they assign personnel and units to the joint combatant commander, like the commanding general of the Central Command, CENTCOM. The Goldwater-Nichols Act required officers to serve tours outside their service in order to win promotion. The culture of the Defense Department was transformed. Its collective mindset moved from service-specific to joint, and its operations became more integrated. Lack of common standards and practices across the foreign domestic divide. The leadership of the intelligence community should be able to pool information gathered overseas with information gathered in the United States, holding the work, wherever it is done, to a common standard of quality in how it is collected, processed, translated, reported, shared, and analyzed. A common set of personnel standards for intelligence can create a group of professionals better able to operate in joint activities, transcending their own service-specific mindsets. Divided Management of National Intelligence Capabilities While the CIA was once central to our national intelligence capabilities, Following the end of the Cold War, it has been less able to influence the use of the nation's imagery and signals intelligence capabilities in three national agencies housed within the Department of Defense. The National Security Agency, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, and the National Reconnaissance Office. One of the lessons learned from the 1991 Gulf War was the value of national intelligence systems satellites in particular, in precision warfare. Since that war, the Department has appropriately drawn these agencies into its transformation of the military. Helping to orchestrate this transformation is the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence, a position established by Congress after 9-11. An unintended consequence of these developments has been the far greater demand made by defense on technical systems, leaving the DCI less able to influence how these technical resources are allocated and used. Weak capacity to set priorities and move resources. The agencies are mainly organized around what they collect or the way they collect it. But the priorities for collection are national. As the DCI makes hard choices about moving resources, he or she must have the power to reach across agencies and reallocate effort. Too many jobs. 
The DCI now has at least three jobs. He is expected to run a particular agency, the CIA. He is expected to manage the loose confederation of agencies that is the intelligence community. He is expected to be the analyst-in-chief for the government, sifting evidence and directly briefing the president as his principal intelligence adviser. No recent DCI has been able to do all three effectively. Usually what loses out is management of the intelligence community, a difficult task even in the best case, because the DCI's current authorities are weak. With so much to do, the DCI often has not used even the authority he has. Too Complex and Secret Over the decades, the agencies and the rules surrounding the intelligence community have accumulated to a depth that practically defies public comprehension. There are now 15 agencies or parts of agencies in the intelligence community. The community and the DCI's authorities have become arcane matters, understood only by initiates after long study. Even the most basic information about how much money is actually allocated to or within the intelligence community and most of its key components is shrouded from public view. The current DCI is responsible for community performance but lacks the three authorities critical for any agency head or chief executive officer. 1. Control over the purse strings. 2. The ability to hire or fire senior managers. And 3. The ability to set standards for the information infrastructure and personnel. The only budget power of the DCI over agencies other than the CIA lies in coordinating the budget requests of the various intelligence agencies into a single program for submission to Congress. The overall funding request of the 15 intelligence entities in this program is then presented to the President and Congress in 15 separate volumes. When Congress passes an appropriations bill to allocate money to intelligence agencies, most of their funding is hidden in the Defense Department in order to keep intelligence spending secret. Therefore, although the House and Senate Intelligence Committees are the authorizing committees for funding of the intelligence community, the final budget review is handled in the Defense Subcommittee of the Appropriations Committees. Those committees have no subcommittees just for intelligence, and only a few members and staff review the requests. The appropriations for the CIA and the National Intelligence Agencies, NSA, NGA, and NRO, are then given to the Secretary of Defense. The Secretary transfers the CIA's money to the DCI, but disperses the National Agency's money directly. Money for the FBI's national security components falls within the appropriations for commerce, justice, and state, and goes to the Attorney General. In addition, the DCI lacks hire and fire authority over most of the intelligence community's senior managers. For the national intelligence agencies housed in the Defense Department, the Secretary of Defense must seek the DCI's concurrence regarding the nomination of these directors, who are presidentially appointed. But the Secretary may submit recommendations to the President without receiving this concurrence. The DCI cannot fire these officials. 
The DCI has even less influence over the head of the FBI's national security component, who is appointed by the Attorney General in consultation with the DCI. Combining Joint Work with Stronger Management We have received recommendations on the topic of intelligence reform from many sources. Other commissions have been over the same ground. Thoughtful bills have been introduced. Most recently, a bill by the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Porter Goss, Republican Florida, and another by the ranking minority member, Jane Harmon, Democrat California. In the Senate, Senators Bob Graham, Democrat Florida, and Dianne Feinstein, Democrat California, have introduced reform proposals as well. Past efforts have foundered because the president did not support them because the DCI, the Secretary of Defense, or both, opposed them, and because some proposals lacked merit. We have tried to take stock of these experiences, and borrowed from strong elements in many of the ideas that have already been developed by others. Recommendations the current position of Director of Central Intelligence should be replaced by a National Intelligence Director with two main areas of responsibility. 1. To oversee national intelligence centers on specific subjects of interest across the U.S. government. And 2. To manage the national intelligence program and oversee the agencies that contribute to it. First, the National Intelligence Director should oversee national intelligence centers to provide all-source analysis and plan intelligence operations for the whole government on major problems. One such problem is counterterrorism. In this case, we believe that the center should be the intelligence entity, formerly TTIC, inside the National Counterterrorism Center we have proposed. It would sit there alongside the operations management unit we described earlier, with both making up the NCTC in the executive office of the president. Other national intelligence centers, for instance on counterproliferation, crime and narcotics, and China, would be housed in whatever department or agency is best suited for them. The National Intelligence Director would retain the present DCI's role as the principal intelligence advisor to the President. We hope the President will come to look directly to the directors of the National Intelligence Centers to provide all-source analysis in their areas of responsibility, balancing the advice of these intelligence chiefs against the contrasting viewpoints that may be offered by department heads at state, defense, homeland security, justice, and other agencies. Second, the National Intelligence Director should manage the National Intelligence Program and oversee the component agencies of the intelligence community. The National Intelligence Director would submit a unified budget for national intelligence that reflects priorities chosen by the National Security Council, an appropriate balance among the varieties of technical and human intelligence collection and analysis. He or she would receive an appropriation for national intelligence and apportion the funds to the appropriate agencies in line with that budget 
and with authority to reprogram funds among the national intelligence agencies to meet any new priority, as counterterrorism was in the 1990s. The National Intelligence Director should approve and submit nominations to the President of the individuals who would lead the CIA, DIA, FBI Intelligence Office, NSA, NGA, NRO, Information Analysis and Infrastructure Protection Directorate of the Department of Homeland Security, and other national intelligence capabilities. The National Intelligence Director would manage this national effort with the help of three deputies, each of whom would also hold a key position in one of the component agencies. Foreign Intelligence, the head of CIA, Defense Intelligence, the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence, Homeland Intelligence, the FBI's Executive Assistant Director for Intelligence, or the Undersecretary of Homeland Security for Information Analysis and Infrastructure Protection. Other agencies in the intelligence community would coordinate their work within each of these three areas, largely staying housed in the same departments or agencies that support them now. Returning to the analogy of the Defense Department's organization, these three deputies, like the leaders of the Army, Navy, Air Force, or Marines, would have the job of acquiring the systems, training the people, and executing the operations planned by the national intelligence centers. And, just as the combatant commanders also report to the Secretary of Defense, the directors of national intelligence centers, that is, for counter-proliferation, crime and narcotics, and the rest, also would report to the National Intelligence Director. The Defense Department's military intelligence programs, the Joint Military Intelligence Program, JMIP, and the Tactical Intelligence and Related Activities Program, TIARA, TIARA, would remain part of that department's responsibility. The National Intelligence Director would set personnel policies to establish standards for education and training and facilitate assignments at the National Intelligence Centers and across agency lines. The National Intelligence Director also would set information sharing and information technology policies to maximize data sharing as well as policies to protect the security of information. Too many agencies now have an opportunity to say no to change. The National Intelligence Director should participate in an NSC executive committee that can resolve differences and priorities among the agencies and bring the major disputes to the President for decision. The National Intelligence Director should be located in the executive office of the President. This official who would be confirmed by the Senate and would testify before Congress, would have a relatively small staff of several hundred people taking the place of the existing community management offices housed at the CIA. In managing the whole community, the National Intelligence Director is still providing a service function, within the partial exception of his or her responsibilities for overseeing the NCTC the National Intelligence Director should support the consumers of national intelligence, 
the president and policy-making advisers such as the secretaries of state defense and homeland security and the attorney-general we are weary of too easily equating government management problems with those of the private sector but we have noticed that some very large private firms rely on a powerful ceo who has significant control over how money is spent and can hire or fire leaders of the major divisions assisted by a relatively modest staff while leaving responsibility for execution in the operating divisions there are disadvantages to separating the position of national intelligence director from the job of heading the cia for example the national intelligence director will not head a major agency of his or her own and may have a weaker base for support but we believe that these disadvantages are outweighed by several other considerations the national intelligence director must be able to directly oversee intelligence collection inside the united states yet law and custom has counseled against giving such a plain domestic role to the head of the cia the cia will be one among several claimants for funds in setting national priorities the national intelligence director should not be both one of the advocates and the judge of them all covert operations tend to be highly tactical requiring close attention the national intelligence director should rely on the relevant joint mission center to oversee these details helping to coordinate closely with the white house the cia will be able to concentrate on building the capabilities to carry out such operations and on providing the personnel who will be directing and executing such operations in the field rebuilding the analytic and human intelligence collection capabilities of the cia should be a full-time effort and the director of the cia should focus on extending its comparative advantages recommendation the cia director should emphasize a rebuilding the cia's analytic capabilities b transforming the clandestine service by building its human intelligence capabilities c developing a stronger language program with high standards and sufficient financial incentives d renewing emphasis on recruiting diversity among operations officers so they can blend more easily in foreign cities e ensuring a seamless relationship between human source collection and signals collection at the operational level and f stressing a better balance between unilateral and liaison operations the cia should retain responsibility for the direction and execution of clandestine and covert operations as assigned by the relevant national intelligence center and authorized by the national intelligence director and the president this would include propaganda renditions and non-military disruption we believe however that one important area of responsibility should change recommendation lead responsibility for directing and executing paramilitary operations whether clandestine or covert should shift to the defense department there it should be consolidated with the capabilities for training direction 
and execution of such operations already being developed in the Special Operations Command. Before 9-11, the CIA did not invest in developing a robust capability to conduct paramilitary operations with U.S. personnel. It relied on proxies instead, organized by CIA operatives without the requisite military training. The results were unsatisfactory. Whether the price is measured in either money or people, the United States cannot afford to build two separate capabilities for carrying out the secret military operations, secretly operating standoff missiles, and secretly training foreign military or paramilitary forces. The United States should concentrate responsibility and necessary legal authorities in one entity. The post-9-11 Afghanistan president of using joint CIA military teams for covert and clandestine operations was a good one. We believe this proposal to be consistent with it. Each agency would concentrate on its comparative advantages in building capabilities for joint missions. The operation itself would be planned in common. The CIA has a reputation for agility in operations. The military has a reputation for being methodical and cumbersome. We do not know if these stereotypes match current reality. They may also be one more symptom of the civil-military misunderstandings we described in Chapter 4. It is a problem to be resolved in policy guidance and agency management not in the creation of redundant overlapping capabilities and authorities in such sensitive work. The CIA's experts should be integrated into the military training, exercises, and planning. To quote a CIA official now serving in the field, one fight, one team. Recommendation. Finally, to combat the secrecy and complexity we have described, the overall amounts of money being appropriated for national intelligence and to its component agencies should no longer be kept secret. Congress should pass a separate Appropriations Act for intelligence defending the broad allocation of how these tens of billions of dollars have been assigned among the varieties of intelligence work. The specifics of the intelligence appropriation would remain classified as they are today. Opponents of declassification argue that America's enemies could learn about intelligence capabilities by tracking the top-line appropriations figure. Yet the top-line figure by itself provides little insight into U.S. intelligence sources and methods. The U.S. government readily provides copious information about spending on its military forces, including military intelligence. The intelligence community should not be subject to that much disclosure, but when even aggregate categorical numbers remain hidden, it is hard to judge priorities and foster accountability. End of chapter 13.2